1: Talk is about
0: to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
1: Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is the Monday Madness Edition. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Douglay Maurice and we are on the verge of a top ten matchup between Ohio State and IU. First one of these, maybe in the history of the two teams. I actually should go back and look at that and see if Indiana has ever been ranked. It's certainly been since uh, the '60s since they've been ranked at all. So I don't know when the any time that they would have played in the past they're both ranked in the top ten. But Doug, does this week already for you start to feel like it has the buzz that you would expect from two top ten teams facing off at Ohio Stadium?
0: Uh, I'll be curious. I'll be curious how Ohio State fans take this in because. As we'll get into, it's a big line. You know, we spent a post-game podcast on Saturday sort of poking a lot of holes in Indiana. But I don't know. Like, it's it's fun to have a top-10 matchup. So I don't want to, like, spend the week overly downplaying it because, you know, nobody has any illusions about this. It's not like they're playing, you know. I'm trying to think of a top-10 team that would be like, yeah, that's like, they're not playing Florida, right? I mean, they're not playing – um even if they were, they're not playing Oregon as they were supposed to play earlier in the year. So I, uh, you know, I think it'll be, it's fun when the other team has some players that is, if this just was an Indiana team that was only defense, it's hard to wrap your, your head around that a little bit sometimes, but it's like people can talk about Michael Penix. They can talk about Stevie Scott and Wap Fillier and Ty Frye Flogel and Peyton Hendershot. So like, there's some, there's some, it's going to be some good football talk and, What I don't just my instinct is all week to be like, (sighs) what do you think they're going to beat Ohio State? And it's like, what are we doing? Like, what what fun is that? So I don't want to artificially play it up, but I also don't want to sort of preemptively play it down.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's you make a good point. I think the buzz is going to be. A little bit better and I think that it, just the, the anticipation of the game is better when you have a team like this that has some guys like I'm trying to imagine like if this were happening later in the season and Ohio State were somehow playing Northwestern this year maybe Northwestern is coming in undefeated and has crawled climbed its way up into a top 10-ish ranking which I guess I could do if it kept winning and other teams kept losing but not a team that has quite the same electricity around it the way that I think Indiana does with the skill position guys that it has. I think that that's just, there's a more exciting brand of football potentially here than what another team could bring in. So I think that does help the game anticipation a little bit. I also, I'm curious what you think as far as, I mean, you've seen times when teams have been able to upset Ohio state and here for recent years, it's been kind of the out of the blue upset. And I'm wondering if you think that that, is a factor sometimes that when when Ohio State sees a team like Indiana that is perceived to be a real threat potentially to its stranglehold on the east or or an undefeated season or whatever that maybe it does it galvanize itself for those games in a way that when it goes on the road to play Purdue or whatever and gets caught off hand caught off guard maybe it isn't at quite as as primed for those
0: opponents I mean, I feel I feel like my career covering this team, and for fans who have been fans their whole lives, it's just filled with, "Hey, there's a team who's ranked 17th who might give Ohio State the game," and it's like, "No, they can't." That that is just a regular part of this. That Ohio State is like the entryway into the elite. You know, I mean, it's like they're they're the guy you got to know Ohio State to get into the club. It's like you know, so. I don't know, like sort of in the past. So listen, Purdue, Iowa in 17, Purdue in 18, they're going in the back door of the club. They're sneaking in right there. Somebody left open the dock. You know, they were bringing in another whole big cases of champagne and Purdue rolled under the doorway before it shut and Purdue got in. The other time. For one night. We,
1: it's like, it's a, it's a brief membership.
0: Yeah. Douche, douche. Hey, we like it in here. Douche, douche, douche. But. The other times, it's like the times when it's like you have to beat Ohio State to sort of tell people that you are legit, that you have arrived, right? And like 2015, Michigan State did that, and 2013, Michigan State did that. And I was very like, eh, they're good, but I mean, come on, they're not going to beat Ohio State. And then they did it. I mean, Michigan State made the playoff then in 2015. You know, 2013, I did not believe in that Michigan State team at all, that Connor Cook Michigan State team, and they did it. So I think that is not a bad comparison for this Indiana team, that there have been a couple. It's not like it never happens, but that's the type of team you have to be. But, but again, the 15 game was so weird. It was bad weather, and they played their backup quarterback. Connor Cook wasn't even healthy. I actually think the 2013 Big Ten championship game, Against 24-0, Urban Meyer had not lost yet in his career. Man, now I'm really – wrapped. this is what I do on podcasts. I just talk out my story ideas. Urban Meyer had not lost. He went 12-0 in 2012. He went 12-0 in the regular season in 2013. He's 24-0 going to face a Michigan State team that is good, but how good are they really? Ryan Day is undefeated. Ryan Day is well, undefeated in the regular season, right. undefeated in the Big Ten play. That's what this would feel like to me, and that's the blueprint for Indiana. And in that game, Connor Cook made some throws. They had some skill guys who did some stuff, and now this makes me want to go back and look at that game a little bit more. And again, in that game, there were a couple holes here and there in the Ohio State secondary that Michigan State was able to take advantage of. Actually, I'm really coming around on this. It doesn't usually happen when you come up to the door and say, hey, I know Ohio State. Ohio State put me on the list will you drop the velvet rope and let me in usually you get negged but that's the time that it did happen and I wonder if that's that's would be Indiana's hope this time
1: yeah I, I like the analogy of the the difference between you know being on the invitation list and then trying to sneak in the the door to the exclusive club but like literally for last call like you're just there for like one drink and then you're done and that's I think that's what people have have done that against Ohio State, but I'm, I'm doing the other thing is so, so, so much harder. And I think that Michigan State comparisons are interesting. And in so much as I feel like that's what we've been watching Indiana aspire to be is this next, this next 10 years, Michigan State from the past 10 years. I hope that makes sense to people. Like what Michigan State just was a few years ago, that's what I think Indiana is trying to be. Set this season aside with what's going on with Penn State and Michigan, I think. Bizarre stuff is happening, and I don't know that that's sustainable as far as just their total collapse. So maybe Indiana can't really pull all the way up and be the number two team in the Big Ten. But I guess Michigan State kind of was there for a while. I mean, maybe this is what they've been trying to reach for, is that kind of level, I think, where maybe they're not – on that same level as Ohio state, certainly not for a long period of time, but are a a legitimate threat that has to be taken seriously in a way that they haven't been ever.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, again, not, not since the sixties. I mean, and that's what and Tom Allen said it. They said it again on the Indiana uh, game the other day, you know, that, that Indiana when they're facing Michigan state, Tom Allen has said, that's who we are trying to model ourselves after. So he's been very upfront about that. And that is that and that's a that 's an interesting kind of team that like you 're kind of always good, and then when you 're kind of peaking when you 're at your best, is that when you go get somebody and so I do think i, I am i am i don 't know this right now, and I guess maybe we should find it out this week. Is this a peak for Indiana like I think when we talked to Zach Osterman in the summer there was some idea, because Penix is supposed to be back, that maybe this is like a stepping stone year. I don't know if this was expected to be like the best Indiana could be. And I do know, again, when Zach talked about it with us, when we were doing all this Indiana Dark Horse stuff, I think Zach, because we talked about it, this is a home game for Ohio State, next year's at Indiana. And that like, okay, maybe this would be the kind of year when Indiana could beat a Michigan, uh, excuse me, Indiana could beat a Penn State or a Michigan that that's a big win, but it's not an Ohio State-level win. And it turns out they beat both of them. But this is next level, and maybe this is the kind of thing that actually next year, at home, when Ohio State's going to have a a young quarterback and Indiana's going to have Michael Penix, maybe next year is the time when Indiana really takes its best shot against the Buckeyes, and maybe they're not quite ready to do that this year.
1: We're going to have some other ways to talk more about that game, but let's move on to our – time-honored tradition of the Monday Madness categories. Uh, six categories that kind of take us through what's going on in college football from this past weekend, what we're looking forward to in the next week, what's kind of our mindset as, as we observe this game the, the, as, as we move on each week. And first up, as always, is ballot boxing. This is where you get to yell at me for how bad my AP poll is. Um, did I did like my poll better this week than I had the previous two weeks where I was working on um, you know, sleep deprivation and, and other issues. This week, I felt like I got a better grasp. I did reorder some things. I did not reorder them completely the way that you had suggested I should have. So you may have the same complaint, but uh, fire away.
0: You know what? I, I don't have a ton of... Com- I mean, I, I don't really have that many complaints when, when in saying... Reorder them the way I suggested. You did move Oregon down a little bit. You kept Wisconsin kind of where you had them, but Wisconsin did more. Wisconsin at 2-0 and yeah. to me is a very different team than Wisconsin at 1-0. and And, yeah, we know Michigan's bad, but Wisconsin undressed them. That's a good win for Wisconsin. I mean, again, Michigan has some players. That's a good win for Wisconsin. So, Wisconsin 5, I think, is, is correct. I think you could have a long discussion about maybe Wisconsin versus Florida. Florida at six. But I, I like I like your poll almost top to bottom. I think Indiana at twelve is pretty much right. I think Northwestern moved up a little bit from your previous poll at fifteen. Northwestern fifteen, I think, is right. And so I honestly don't have any issues. But let me bring up something that I don't I don't know if you are becoming known for this now. But you continue to not rank Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is literally everybody else in the country ranking Coastal Carolina? And I do not have a problem with you not ranking them.
1: I actually don't know that. Let me look at that real quick. Um, I have not looked real close at college poll track in the last few weeks, um, but that's a good question. It's very possible that I'm the last person who isn't ranking them. Um, yes, I was last week the only person who did not rank them, which I assume means – oh, no, that's this week. Today's the 15th. So, yeah, I am. A, I, for the last two weeks, three weeks – Three, last three weeks, I've been the only person not
0: ranking them. I don't know what town Coastal Carolina is in, and I apologize for that. I actually don't know what Carolina Coastal Carolina is in. <laughs> is it in North Carolina or South Carolina? It's in
1: North Carolina. Okay. No, I'm and sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's in South Carolina.
0: You're right. It is South Carolina. Okay. Conway's, Conway, South Carolina. And I'm assuming that's... That city is near the coast, I'm gonna assume. So I would hope so. It's not, you, li- not
1: like when the Braves were in the NL West. I think it's probably actually on the coast, yeah.
0: I am assuming that in the home of Coastal Carolina, there is probably like on one of the local stations, there's probably like a four to six local sports talk show. Um maybe not. Radio's not doing so great. <laughs> it's that's a pretty are, small town. Are you are dan- you are getting dangerously close to getting invited on a Coastal Carolina radio show to talk about why you are not voting for the Chanteliers or whatever their name is. So the Chanteliers, yes, I respect it. I respect it, and it's more than record. And again, I mean, if you're going to tell me, okay, well, uh, you have Auburn twenty third. Coastal Carolina is better than Auburn, for real? Like, is that what we're doing here? Coastal Carolina is better than Auburn? So I get it. I get it, and I respect it. So I'm with you. Uh, other people, if they were in my position, ballot boxing your ballot, you might get and be getting boxed pretty good. But I like it.
1: Yeah, it, I would like to um, list the teams that are ranked between – number 25 in the Sagarin ratings and where Coastal Carolina is, not the computer rankings, the only thing to go by, but there's 33 of them. So I'm not going to do that. They're, they're 58th in the Sagarin ratings. Like they just, they haven't played anybody. It's you're, you're basically ranking uh, an FCS team and um, sorry. Uh, there's just, there's just so many more teams that are better than him. You can't look me in the eye. Like I ranked, I was the only person I think that ranked central Florida this week. I ranked them 25th there's no chance that coastal carolina is better than central florida i don't i don't i don't know how you could get there
0: yeah no am I'm, I'm no argument here no maybe argument you here. can
1: get there but you can't get to them being better there's people ranking them ahead of northwestern ahead of like it's just it's insanity it's it's sheer insanity the one thing i have also gotten some blowback today was the fact that i ranked florida ahead of texas a&m so i just wanted to very quickly say that i understand why people say that you've got two teams with one loss one of them one head to head they think that you're supposed to rank the other one. That's a very tough thing for me, though, when you're actually – like, how long is that precedent supposed to last throughout a season? Like, at some point, you have to take in all the games those teams have played since then. It was a three-point win at Texas A&M, which essentially means that those two teams are equal in my book, all things being equal, all things being considered. And Florida then went on the road and beat Georgia by two touchdowns. And I know that Georgia's had some issues and didn't live up to maybe some of its expectations. That's still a really strong win. Um, and I think just on the balance, that, that's a better team. And I, so that's the one thing that I, I know you probably weren't going to throw that at me because I think you look at things the same way,
0: but no, actually was, I don't, I go by head to head to head my number one thing. I would never rank a team with the same number of losses ahead of a team that it lost to
1: you. So if that, so if it was the first game of the season and it was a one point win, nothing that happened since then would affect it. You would have not, to still vote. Not the team unless one head
0: to head. Not, not until the, that team had a worse record. Not until they lost like multiple games. I, hmm. I for real, like if 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 Ohio State is four and one, and they lost to Penn State, and Penn State is four and one, like I would forever have Penn State ahead of Ohio, Ohio State of Ohio State until Penn State lost another game. Because everything, else even is- if
1: Penn State's loss was to Rutgers at home.
0: Cause they beat them on that. Like you earned, I mean, you clearly would be ahead of them if you had no losses. So now you have one loss to, to have some wiggle room because when you played them, you beat them. So now you have the same number of losses. And now if you start losing, okay, now I open the door for sure. But I just value head to head so much more than anything else. Absolutely. Number one thing that I value.
1: I understand it. I guess it's just, it's tough for me because you're not just comparing those two teams you're comparing, you're trying to rank all 25 teams. And so when I'm doing that, it's that, that data point is just one data point among all data points.
0: Correct. And I, I had to spin myself in circles sometimes to keep the team with the head to head win ahead of the team that you think is really good, but has the head to head loss. And a lot of times what it ends up doing is it really jacks up that team to beat them head to head. It's like, well, listen, if I if Ohio State's four and one and I think they're really good, I think Ohio State should is one of the four best teams in the country. I'd better have Penn State third because Penn State beat them head to head. So I mean, I just that's just I, I played that game a lot. But actually, to your point, I would never have done what you did. <laughs> Great. I, I, I didn't I, really
1: offered you a way to criticize me uh, since you didn't really have one of your own. Um, moving along to margin call, which is where we uh, buy or sell. Something going on in college football player, uh, a coach, a team, a concept, whatever we want to go. I am buying the Big Ten West this week. I'm buying the Big Ten West as being top to bottom better than the Big Ten East. That is not that controversial of a statement, but I also think it's maybe the first time ever that you've been able to say that, right? Um, Sounds like a story this week. (laughs) I mean, it's – I mean, because – Honestly, because I mean, I know that the bottom of the Big Ten East has been wretched, but really one through five most years, a lot of times you're taking the Big Ten East
0: at all those spots. There have been many years since they went east-west in 2014 where, I mean, the three best teams in the Big Ten were the the three teams in the Big Ten East. That that is often the case. And maybe Wisconsin slips in, so it's three of the top four, and there's just no doubt about it.
1: So if you were to line up uh, the hypothetical championship weekend, if you were to do it right now, I gave Northwestern the edge over Wisconsin in the West only because they've played more games, which I guess would be a factor if they both ended up somehow with the same record. Um, They're going to play head-to-head this week, though, so that's going to decide which one should be in first. But I gave Northwestern the one seed in the West. So here are the matchups. Northwestern against OSU. So who would you take to win these games?
0: Hold on a second. But if you're going by that rationale, then you have to give Indiana the one seed in the East because Indiana's played one more game than Ohio State. All right, if you're that's fine.
1: That. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so then okay, so then Northwestern versus IU, who would you take?
0: I would take Northwestern.
1: OSU against Wisconsin, Ohio State. Right. So that that was the other thing that it doesn't really change I think the outcome of those two. Uh yeah. Purdue versus Maryland. Purdue. Iowa versus Rutgers. Uh, Iowa. Nebraska versus Michigan. This is the one that like <laughs> Um in, uh, in a, in a parking awful. lot in
0: indianapolis michigan's awful i'd take nebraska
1: minnesota versus michigan state
0: they are both awful i guess i'd take minnesota though <laughs> and then illinois penn state I, that's penn state's win yeah. penn state's one <laughs> win of the year might come in the seven versus seven crossover game so you've got five to two taking
1: west teams over the east i had four two and one and if you put a gun to my head I think I would still take Michigan over Nebraska. So I'm only going four to three, but that, that's still like very rarely ever, if ever in the history of this, since they went to these divisions, would you say that the Big Ten West has the balance of power right now over the East?
0: And I think I've I'm just, I'm, I'm inquisitive when you are analyzing that Nebraska-Michigan matchup, are you analyzing it on talent, or are you analyzing it on the fact that every Michigan player and coach looks like they'd like to crawl in a hole and never come out again? The former more than the latter, yes. Okay. but if you look that, at the latter – I ladder. think that's a factor, yeah.
1: Because, hey, Nebraska showed some – I mean, Nebraska just beat what I think is still actually a talented team, too, even though Penn State is 0-4. They did get to play them at home. But, I mean, it's it's – Now they finally got like kind of a leg up now. They really, both those teams really needed that win. Uh, I guess you you could probably actually argue that for the long term, Nebraska needed that win over Penn State more than Penn State, excuse me, more than Penn State needed to avoid going
0: 0-4. I mean, I do think it's interesting. Penn State and Michigan are in the free fall on the way down at the moment. Nebraska was already down and now is trying to come back up. So Nebraska and Scott Frost, they are not playing with a, oh, we stink. They're playing with the we know we stink. We're trying not to stink anymore, and we're trying to rebuild something here. So they're all very much in the same process, but Nebraska is more advanced in the process. So when these teams play, you know, Michigan looks looks like it doesn't want to be there. And that's not what Nebraska is like. Nebraska is more maybe – limited in a lot of ways but they're more scratching and fighting for every yard because they're trying to get back who are you buying or selling this week so i am i have two things one is northwestern one is northwestern as a real team that i think is balanced offensively and defensively as i've said before their peyton ramsey is the quarterback who ties it all together Uh, on our big 10 picks that we do every friday i was double checking this um over the weekend I have been on Northwestern from the start and they're the only reason that I'm above 500 because I am seven and five in the picks this year. I'm four and O picking Northwestern and I am three and five with everything else. So I think they're real. I don't, I'm not saying they're beat Ohio state real, but I do think they have a real defense and I do think Peyton Ramsey is really solid And they just have enough dudes here and there, and they they go about their business. And again, they're very similar to Indiana in a lot of ways, but Northwestern's further down the path because Northwestern is reclaiming something. But they won the West two years ago. They played Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship a couple years ago. Pat Fitzgerald has won 10 games a bunch of times at Northwestern. You know, Actually, you know what Northwestern is now. Tom Allen's trying to get there. I mean, it's funny. Tom Allen wants to be Michigan State. Tom Allen could look at Northwestern too and say, hey, Let's be Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern that wins eight or nine games every year and is a really good, solid program. So, if if Indiana and Northwestern play, I just think Northwestern has a little bit of a better handle on who they are. Michael Penix has more upside as a quarterback for sure. I think Indiana has a little better skill guys, but I think the, I think Northwestern might be more balanced. So I think everything about Northwestern is legit. And I am very, very, very much looking forward to Northwestern Wisconsin this week because Graham Mertz is legit, too. And that's going to be a great game, I think.
1: I was going to say real quick, let's preview our Friday because I mean, that, I think that's the big game in the Big Ten this week, almost more than Ohio State-Indiana. Because I think that's like maybe a more evenly matched game. Do you like Northwestern's chances? I mean, they're playing that game at home. Wisconsin has looked fantastic the two times it's actually been able to play. And Northwestern keeps winning, and they keep beating some pretty good teams and going on the road to do it in a couple cases, um, Iowa and Purdue. Um, But they don't have that same, like, it factor. Like, they don't come out and just blow your doors off. They just do it in a very
0: workmanlike way. Listen, Wisconsin might be playoff worthy, which is what we said the minute that Graham Mertz emerged on the scene. So I may end up picking Wisconsin in that game. And I don't know what the line is at the moment, I look. but, but I don't think North, I think Northwestern will hang. I don't think it's a blowout. I, if I had to guess, as you're looking up the line, is that Northwestern? I would, I would guess that Wisconsin is a nine point favorite. And it game. opened at eight and it's down to seven. So I don't know who I would take right there, but that feels about right. But I mean, I, I absolutely think it might be a 23, 21 kind of game. It's a big, you know, again, there's not many quarterbacks in the Big Ten ever to test a solid defense. Not a great defense, but I think a good, solid defense at Northwestern, Graham Mertz is going to test them. But I think it's a game for sure, and I think it'll be fun to watch. I do second? have one. I have yep. a, my other one is, is Sam Howell at North Carolina, who we have, we have talked about before. And it's like, hey, Doug, great investing. You're going to buy the guy who threw for 550 yards and six touchdowns on Saturday? Great investment. See, Nathan Baird would be selling. Sam Howell right now you would be like this is peak Sam Howell stock
1: and I'm, I'm like, not sure though I actually I would now's a good time to buy Sam Howell because I the thing I almost bought this week and maybe I'll come back to it in a couple of weeks is Northwestern or North Carolina's potential role as spoiler in this what we think is this sewn up four-man uh playoff but we'll get to that in a little bit
0: that's exactly but that was exactly what I was going to say because they have Notre Dame in two weeks they're uh off this week they played Notre Dame the Friday of Thanksgiving, then they have Miami and Western Carolina to end the year. And if they beat Notre Dame, they position themselves to, well, Notre Dame would still have the edge because North Carolina has lost twice. So I don't know. I mean, North Carolina would need some help to get to the ACC championship game. But I absolutely think North Carolina has a shot to, to beat Notre Dame and kind of mess this thing up.
1: What well, I was saying, what I, yeah, that was more my point, that if, if North Carolina wins that game and you think that Clemson wins a rematch with Notre Dame, then all of a sudden we need a fourth team again for the playoffs because it ain't going to be Notre Dame.
0: And then you say, hello, Wisconsin. Maybe.
1: Or Texas A&M. Or Florida, Florida. if they get it done in
0: the SEC Junior game. Lots of, lots of options. We'll talk about that a little
1: bit more later. We're going to take a break there. Come back and talk a little bit more about this Ohio State-Indiana game. Stay tuned to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. I always say stay tuned as if they're actually like dialing this up on their radio dial, which nobody does anymore. You're all listening through your phones or whatever. Say, but,
0: stay downloaded. That makes sense. <laughs> just keep listening.
1: But if you say keep listening, it sounds like an order. It doesn't sound like when you say stay tuned, it's like you're inviting someone to be like, hey, but like you say, don't you dare not listen past this pause that we're about to take. That sounds a little too aggressive.
0: We're, we're pretty aggressive on this podcast. We can we were be. Just, we we're just yelling at listeners. What well, to the demand well, they stay?
1: Yeah, but towards each other, we're pretty aggressive. We're not usually like hostile towards those of you who are uh, listening to us each week, and those True. of you, especially who are paying uh, for the text six one four three five zero three three one five. You don't have to pay for the first two weeks. You can come in and get a taste of it, and then you can stay tuned if you want. After that, at the at the low cost of three ninety nine a month. Uh, story of the week. This is where we talk about kind of what is setting the I know you hate the word narrative, but it's the one that comes to mind. What The the, the stage of this game, the, the next Ohio State game that's coming up, which this week is a visit from number nine, Indiana. Um, I think there's some obvious answers here that we've already talked. We went pretty in-depth on this in the, the post-game pod that we did Saturday, which was the post-game of the IU-Michigan State game. So uh, what is your story of the week?
0: I, I think it's Ohio State against a good quarterback, and how good is this guy? Michael Penix, he's fourth in the Big Ten in passer rating. Behind, of course, Justin Fields and then Graham Mertz and uh, Talia Tonga Vailoa, he is completing sixty-one percent of his passes. He has nine touchdowns, three interceptions, seven point one yards per attempt. In comparison, Justin Fields is ten point nine yards per attempt. So, you know, this guy, this guy is is good. This guy is good. But again, as I've enjoyed over the years, and maybe I'll do that this week. I'll run down the list of sort of like good but not great Big Ten quarterbacks, and I'm I'm curious where Michael Penix fits into this. So, um, but it's, it's interesting to have someone with at least a little juice at quarterback to talk about because he certainly has that. I was actually going to ask
1: that, like, again, from your perspective, having done this for a long time, we were talking before about how there's always these teams that are like, that's the next team, like they're on the verge, or this is their year. This is the one, this is their shot. They've got what it takes to maybe come in and and mess things up for Ohio State. And I assume that that probably exists also for individual players sometimes and quarterbacks sometimes, that, like, this is his big test that he has to pass. Can he come in and beat Ohio State?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a run there for a while, sort of like during the Trestle era, I think, with, like, Michigan State quarterbacks, where it felt like Michigan State often had, like, a pretty okay dude at quarterback, and then it would be like he'd come – he's like, he's averaging 260 yards passing per game, and then he plays Ohio State, and he's 14 of 29 for 126 yards. And so um, Jeff Smoker comes to mind for some reason. Oh, I don't know. that's a great pull. I mean, there just are – but then also, you know, like, Juice, Juice Williams was a guy mm-hmm. – that in the game sort of he had he had the breakout game in 2007 and he made the throws to beat Ohio State in that game. And then he was around for a long time and he was never as good as he was in that game. But, you know, you don't even have to be great for four quarters, honestly. You don't have to be great for four quarters. You have to make the throw on third and 12 when you need it. And you have to, you know, if your receiver gets behind the defense, you have to complete the deep ball when you take your shot. And so I don't know. Most quarterbacks have not been able to do that against Ohio state in the big 10. Maybe this guy has a shot to do it. You know, in,
1: in mine similarly, it was just the secondary. I feel like this is after a game or a half, I should say against Rutgers where some of those questions leaked in. And I guess you could even go back to the Penn state game a little bit playing the softer coverage there. I know people were a little bit concerned about how that second half went from a yardage and point standpoint, although I think we explained, Uh, from our analysis why that happened but this is just a week where as much as I think a lot of this is on Pennix if you could look back at some of these upsets that have happened in the last few years whether that was obviously Rondell Moore and some of the other guys that Purdue had or the tight ends that Iowa had you've got to have you've got to have talent on the receiving end of that stuff too I think it's interesting I'm I'm eager to see if Wap Filior and Ty Freifogel and um Peyton Henderson shot can those guys get the kind of separation they need from Ohio State defenders in order to help Penix? because he can't do it on his own he's going to need them to be making plays i think without the ball in their hands at times in order to really capitalize against Ohio State
0: yeah um the that we talked about you know we've talked about a lot when Ohio State has lost these games, there's, like, been hidden NFL talent that maybe you didn't know at the time, but that turned out, right? That yep. Rondale Moore was that, or Josh Jackson, the cornerback at Iowa, was that. Or, uh, you know, the Purdue loss in, in uh, 2009, Ryan Kerrigan was that. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it makes me want to look at draft guys this week. I don't know who – because, like, they had that – who's the guy? Who was the running back who was so good? Who's in the NFL? Tevin Coleman. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman was in Indiana several years ago. And Tevin Coleman was awesome, but it, he never—he didn't really get a, Indiana to the edge of beating Ohio State, but he was a great future NFL player. I don't know which of these Indiana guys are NFL guys. And so I don't know if Watt Fillier or somebody like that is a guy that's like, oh, yeah, no, that dude's it. So I'll be curious because, yeah, you've got to have a guy who can win a one-on-one matchup against a, uh, an Ohio State player.
1: I want to make sure I say this the right way because I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm disparaging these guys. But if 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 Fillior and Freifogel are essentially um Ben Victor and Austin Mack, is that good enough to beat Ohio State along with Michael Penix?
0: No. No. And Austin Mack, by the way, is like got activated by yeah. the Giants and did some good things. He's doing some good things, back. yeah. Yeah. But no. I don't I don't think it's enough. I think I think somebody needs to be uh, – I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, Chris Godwin or, a, or a Rashad Bateman or just have at least for a day mm-hmm. look like that. I just – I don't know if that's enough.
1: Right. Uh Walk the line. We already kind of alluded to this is where we talk about the Ohio State betting line, whether we think it's high or low. I sent out to the texters this morning. because so i had been thinking about it. I'd been talking – texting with a couple people about it. And I was worried that this line would come in kind of low. That it would be somewhere in that like 16, 17 point range. Um, Clemson had been favored by 14 and a half against Miami. And you looked at the, and this doesn't have anything to do with it, but the Sagarin predictor differential it was in like the 15 and a half range. Um, so I was thinking it might be lower, and then I was kind of pleasantly surprised that it opened at 21. It immediately dropped to 20, and I just looked. I think it settled back at 20 and a half right now as the line for this game. And I think that is a interesting line because I don't know exactly. What to pick on that side. When I I thought it was going to be 16 or 17, I was like, oh, you got to hammer that. I think Ohio State's going to clear that easily. Now, when you start talking about 21 points, it puts you in a a tough situation as far as a potential backdoor, uh, I think. Or, you know, if they win 38 to 17, that seems like a reasonable score to predict for this game. Um, But 21, I I, know 21, 20 and a half, that seems uh, pretty reasonable to me.
0: That's right. Yes, I mean, I think it's a good line because Ohio State could win this game easily and win by 21. I mean, like right. for sure, like to win 48-27, you know, is is right there to me. So uh, I don't know. I don't know which way I would pick on this, and we've been wrong uh, multiple times. I have at least on the Buckeyes this year. I think I'm one and two in Ohio State games against the line. So this seems right about right because I just. I don't think Ohio state's going to like hold Indiana to 10 or seven. I don't think this is going to be one of those 56 to seven games. I think Indiana will do enough with a, you know, a big Penix throw at some point. Um, Maybe they even do something on defense. They force a fumble or something, you know, Fry Fogle makes a catch. Stevie Scott rips off something. I I think I would plan on, something maybe in the 20s for Indiana. And so now you've got to have have Ohio State getting almost in the 50s to cover a line like that. So I think that's about right. I would like to add Jeff Smoker played entirely before I started covering Ohio State football. (laughs) Right, but we know what you meant. (laughs) But I will say Brian Hoyer at Michigan State Mm. had a year in 2007 where – In a loss to Wisconsin, he threw for 323 yards. In a win over Notre Dame, he had four touchdown passes, and then he played Ohio State and was 12 of 23 for 126 yards with a pick. And that's what I'm talking about.
1: That's juicy stuff. That's that's the noodle arms we expect. Um, One other line I wanted to talk about, by the way, if I told you.
0: And then Brian Hoyer went on to play in the NFL for a decade. Right, Like, he looked completely incompetent against Ohio State, and then he was the Browns' starting quarterback, like, well, seven years later. So I'm just saying, like, that – but, like, I always have said, oh, Brian Hoyer, he's awful. It's like, oh, you mean right. Brian Hoyer, who's been cashing an NFL paycheck for 15 years?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the line I thought was interesting, and I'm sure our fans are going to kick out, if you had told me before the season, like, what would you have guessed before the season that the Michigan at Rutgers line would be?
0: Oh, I saw people – noodling about this on twitter i'm very curious to hear what it is before the season i would have said 28
1: oh yeah easy like like huge line because we would expect michigan to probably be undefeated or maybe something weird happens and they're like three and one right now but michigan, now let me guess let
0: me guess let me okay. guess so it's at rutgers
1: at rutgers at I'll rutgers say, which was a seven point home favorite last week against illinois and did not cover in fact they I'll lost. say
0: i'll say michigan favored by six
1: the line opened minus nine and fell to minus eight and a half where it is right now. That is still, that is of, of all the things that have happened this year to Michigan. That's almost like the biggest indictment that you're only favored by one and a half points more than what Rutgers was favored at home against Illinois last week.
0: Does Michigan want to play? Does Michigan want to play? And it's at Rutgers. You know, where it's hard to go play when you don't want to play at Rutgers. If you think that in your heart, you're kind of not into it theoretically, and then you get on a plane and you fly to New Jersey and you sleep in the hotel and you wake up in the morning and you have breakfast and you put on your stuff and you ride a bus and you get to a stadium, and it's the empty stadium at Rutgers. If you thought you didn't want to play already, you will get there and you will want to get back on the bus. And you know who's going to want to play? You know who's going to want to chop some wood? Greg Shiano's guys. Oh, yeah. So I am. I do not know about that. By the way, you and I both passed up to – Easy wins that Stephen took. Stephen, who was ten and two against the spread in Big Ten lines, it was an easy win. Wisconsin over Michigan. It was an easy win. Indiana over Michigan State. I remain befuddled by this league. This feels like a stay away from me because I can't tell anymore who's going to show up. And I think I know Rutgers will. I don't know if Michigan will. But if Michigan does, they should win. But they might be done, man. Now listen, Cade McNamara came in late. And I don't know if Cade McNamara is their starting quarterback now instead of Joe Milton. Sometimes that gives you a little something. If a backup quarterback, you get a new look. But, man, Michigan, it looked like they didn't want to be there. But that's crazy that they're only favored by eight-something at Rutgers is crazy.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we also both badly missed – not badly. Penn State had a chance there at the end, but we missed picking Penn State minus three at Nebraska. But we both got, I think, Northwestern and Illinois.
0: You and I picked wins. the exact three games this week. Yeah. We're so, both two and one. We picked the same games.
1: Yeah, and we had a chance to make it three, but, uh, you know, congrats to Stephen, I guess, for uh, – I hope he's actually betting those, which you can't in Ohio. So, sorry, Stephen. Um, we're going to take another break. We're going to go back and wrap up the Monday Madness episode of Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back for the final segment. This is Fear Factor. How much should Ohio State fans be concerned about the next game? And, again, that doesn't necessarily mean what percentage chance are we giving Indiana to beat Ohio State – it it can be a little bit more uh, nebulous than that. Like how much should you be worried that this game tells you something about Ohio state confirms your fears, that sort of thing. I'm putting it at 41% just because of some respect for the talent that Indiana has shown um, some respect for, Uh, those receivers and Michael Penix and some, I guess, disrespect isn't the right, but still just the ongoing concerns that we have for a couple patches here in the, the Ohio state defense. Though I think this is a week where some of those guys get to kind of step up and maybe answer those things.
0: So I think that for you is slightly higher than it was when we did this a week ago for Maryland, right? That you have a little more fear. I think your fear factor might've been in the thirties. Yeah. I am going to lower mine. I'm going to put my Indiana fear factor beneath what my Maryland fear factor was, I think. So I'm going to say like 25% fear factor for Indiana. And this might only be because I watched the whole Indiana game. And sometimes it's like, well, I actually haven't seen that much of it, but it felt like to me, I didn't really know what Maryland was and Maryland had been awful. Then they'd been good. And Tonga by just got there and he hadn't played as much. And so to me, and I, I, would have, I would think this probably would have been true for the Ohio State coaching staff who actually is watching all the film. Maryland was a little bit more of an unknown. I don't know that there's any unknown about Indiana. They're good, but I think at, Ohio State has, is going to have a pretty darn good handle on what Indiana is and what they are not. And so there is not, there is not that fear of the unexpected that even in 2015, when I picked Ohio State to lose at Indiana, and it was just kind of a lot of weird stuff. Kevin Wilson always played Indiana pretty tough when he was the coach there. I think it's almost like Indiana's good, but they're a known good, and I just don't think they're the kind of good. And It's a little bit like Wisconsin, too. Like, you know what Wisconsin is, but like what Wisconsin does, when they don't have Graham Mertz, does not beat Ohio State. So how much are you really ever worried? What's your fear factor? If you said they're an Ohio State fan, are you – are you scared of Wisconsin? It's like, no, I know what Wisconsin is, and I'm, Ohio State can beat that. I think even though Indiana is a very different team than Wisconsin, that's what it feels like to me. Known quantity, they're good at it, what they do, they're not good enough, so I'm not going higher than 25%. Ohio State did not play Michael Penix
1: last year, but it prepared to play Michael Penix last year because there was question up until – the start of the game whether or not he I think or I can't remember if he was ruled out earlier in the week or not he might have been ruled out earlier in the week but I know that for part of that week they were expecting they might still have to face him um and he had some injury situations uh, last season so again I think they're scouted for him and I get and and the other thing is my number's probably too high because the other thing is I really think these extra three days or whatever that Ohio State gets are beneficial I don't know how you can't assume that they're a benefit for Ohio State
0: I mean, it was interesting when we talked to Ryan Day last week, he was like, we're turning to Indiana prep. You know, they did, I think on Wednesday, they found out Wednesday they weren't playing. So Wednesday practice was just all fundamentals, run their base stuff. And then Thursday was turn the page to Indiana. So that's, you know, two or three or two and a half extra days of prep for a top 10 team, which I think you're right, is a little bit of an edge.
1: And it looked like, you know, Saturday, they put out some stuff that Saturday looked like a full on practice. So if you're going like, a full almost like intra squad ish, you know, 11 on 11 situations where you're getting to go your full scout team against your, your number one defense and stuff. Um, and you've got that in place by Saturday before you then go into another week of practice to refine that. I think that's potentially a significant advantage for Ohio state in a game like this, especially Indiana coming on the road and all that stuff. So um wrapping it up. Who's your four this is where we pick our four college football playoff teams as of tonight my number, my list hasn't changed. And I assume yours probably has not since last week either.
0: No, not not as of right now. But, and I was wrong about this a couple of years ago. If I was doing what will it be, and I know what I think, what we do each week is kind of a balance of what we think it'll be at the end of the year or what it, what it would be right now. I think I think Notre Dame's going to lose, not just to Clemson in the ACC championship game. And maybe I'm underestimating Ohio State because as, as listeners to this podcast will certainly remember and remind me, in 2018, I kept saying, don't worry about it. Notre Dame's going to lose. They're going to lose. Don't worry about it. They're gonna... And they didn't lose. And Ohio State wound up on the outside looking in of the playoff. So, you know, Ohio State doesn't have to worry about that. All this stuff we're talking about, all Ohio State has to do is take care of business. And actually, Ohio State could slip up and still get in. One loss Ohio State is getting in the playoff. But Wisconsin's right there. Like, if – if honestly, I really think if Notre Dame trips up somewhere else and then loses to Clemson in the ACC championship game for its second loss and you have Wisconsin and Wisconsin's only loss is a competitive game to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, I think that's a case. I said it when Wisconsin started off and – I don't know what all the cases are everywhere, but you know, if they can get through and not miss another game, I really do think what Wisconsin has offensively, defensively, and with a a quarterback who's the best quarterback they've had in the modern era outside of the one year of Russell Wilson. I think they actually have a chance to make a compelling case for four. If it's, if there's, if it's worth making a case because they can't control the context And if the four is just absolutely obvious, then it doesn't matter what Wisconsin does.
1: Right. And I think that, yeah, if if it stays this as it is now, I I think you're right. I think the question is, would the committee pull Notre Dame out if it doesn't lose except a rematch with Clemson? If Notre Dame is number two in their estimation, and we're going to know that starting next week, how they start – how they start ranking those teams. Um, if, if Notre Dame is number two going into the ACC Championship game and then Clemson as the four, I assume, up beats them, does that pull Notre Dame all the way out?
0: No, because, yeah, if, if they're both undefeated and they both lose. Well, Clemson wouldn't be undefeated. Who are you saying loses? Who gets pulled out?
1: Clemson beating Notre Dame. Would Clemson no, beating know, but, Notre Dame yank but Notre, Notre
0: Dame? Dame Notre Dame and Wisconsin are undefeated they go to their conference championship games and they both lose. Right. 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 But Notre Dame. I wasn't including Wisconsin there, but yeah. But Notre Dame is ahead. So, so if Notre Dame gets pulled out, well, Notre Dame moves down, but do they get pulled out? Well, who are they getting compared to? Well, if they're getting compared to Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Notre Dame both lose their conference championship games, but going in Notre Dame's two and Wisconsin's five. And so why would Wisconsin move past Notre Dame? So. Um, I just think Notre Dame, I mean, if Notre Dame is undefeated, they're going to be two probably. They're going to be two going to the ACC championship game. So then do they fall – they lose to the Clemson. Do they fall from two to four? Do they fall from two to five? I just think it remains very much probable that they would only fall to four.
1: I guess here's the other thing that people should consider, we should consider, I suppose. So a week from now, Ohio State could be 4 with wins over Nebraska, Penn State, which is – An 0-4 team right now, Uh, Rutgers, and then it would be Indiana. So you'd have a a top 10 team, and we don't know exactly how the committee is going to look at Indiana. Last year, they did not look at them favorably at all. The win over Indiana did not help Ohio State very much, even though even though it was a road win. Wisconsin at this point next week could have could be 3-0 with wins over Illinois, Michigan, and then Northwestern. Um, And those last two would be home or road wins. And so, is it worth? even considering that Nebraska or Wisconsin could be in the top four when they first really do their first reveal next week over Clemson as a one loss team. No, we've been surprised before. Clemson was fifth last year when there were five undefeated teams. They were behind Penn state in the first reveal last year.
0: I'll be very curious to see how the committee handles the Clemson loss without Trevor Lawrence because we've seen them sort of dance around things and injuries in the past and that kind of thing. And as we said, when Clemson lost in Notre Dame, you know, they didn't lose really because of the quarterback play, but it's on the road against the top four team in overtime. I mean, it's like the, the best loss you could have. And by the way, you're missing your best player and a couple other of your important players on defense. I just feel like they're not going to be, they're just not going to be that dinged for that loss. And I'm, I just feel almost certain that they will, they will be in the top four. I think you're correct,
1: but I was just throwing it out there. Cause I think it is, it becomes an interesting case when you look at it in that context that Wisconsin, especially if they were like, go out and just flatten Northwestern. I, I, I think their case is interesting. If you're going to put Ohio state in, I know Ohio state has Justin Fields. I know Ohio state was in the playoffs last year, but when you just start comparing those two resumes, maybe there isn't as much separation for putting one in and not the other other than just yeah. reputation.
0: Well, well, but there's, I mean, and I hate reputation. I love resumes and I hate reputation, but there's also goodiness and how good you are and the eyeball test. Yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah. so the Justin Fields eyeball test is like the eyeballs popping out of your head. And so like that, and, and Gene Smith said it at the very beginning, we're probably just going to lean more on the eye test. I don't love the eye test, but it does make sense to me that you go a little more eye test. And I also think, As much as the past shouldn't matter, as much as reputation shouldn't matter, I just don't know that we've had coming into a season three prohibitive playoff favorites like Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State like we do now. And I just think that will will seep into the consciousness of the committee members, and it will take an act of God to yank one of those three teams out, not just a loss. Because you're going to be more forgiving of a loss, which is why I keep saying this about Clemson. But like, even if Trevor Lawrence did play, you might somehow be more forgiving of a loss because whatever you want to do, COVID is an excuse for everybody. It just depends how you want to apply it. Now, when you yeah. don't have Trevor Lawrence, that's the biggest excuse you could find. Oh, why did your team lose? Because uh, we had the best player in the country and he couldn't play because of COVID. Oh, that seems like a big deal. So um, I-, I think the explanation from the committee chairman this year. It's not Kirby Hokut anymore, right? Who's the guy now? Is it it's still an Oregon guy? Yeah, it's the Rod- – uh, uh, um, No, it's Gary Barta, I think. Oh, it is the Iowa guy. Okay. Gary Barta. So so he is going to have to – It'll be very interesting. It'll be interesting or mind-numbingly frustrating to hear them try to explain what they're doing. And it's like, why do you have Clemson first ahead of Notre Dame, a team they lost to? Well, the COVID blah, you know, and, and maybe they'll be able to explain it, but they also might be talking in circles because there's just going to be a lot more to explain. There's going to be a lot more to explain and trying to figure this out.
1: Well, we're going to keep explaining. We're going to be trying to figure things out throughout this week as Ohio State gets ready to play Indiana. No Tuesday Buckeye Talk, but we'll be back Wednesday, full week, big Thursday pod, uh, live podcast, I think. That's the plan. Thursday night for Friday so for those of you who weren't able to get in uh, on saturday with our post game we're going to do the usual predictions pod and everything uh thursday night so hopefully you can join us for that look for that if you're a texter if you're not a texter and you want to get in 614-350-3315 you can sign up on thursday and if we do one this week and one next week you get in both of them for free so just something to think about uh i'm nathan baird he's doug Maurice, and that was buckeye talk